suddenly, without warning, his feverish activity was interrupted and was replaced by a kind of fascination. He spent several days as if he were bewitched, softly repeating to himself a string of fearful conjectures without giving credit to his own understanding. Finally, one Tuesday in December, at lunchtime, all at once, he released the whole weight of his torment. The children would remember for the rest of their lives the august solemnity with which their father, devastated by his prolonged vigil and by the wrath of his imagination, revealed his discovery to them. The earth is round, like an orange. Welcome to W5H. Who, what, when, where, why, and how. A podcast where we explore ideas through books and discussion. I'm one of your co-hosts, Duki Danukaryanto. And I'm your other co-host, David Shu. Let's crack those books open and get started. All right, Luki, we are back for another literary discussion here on W5H Season 2. Today we're talking about 100 Years of Solitude by Gabriel Garcia Marquez. Luki, it is great to talk to you again. It's great to be back. And uh, yeah, after this book, I might need uh, 100 Years of Solitude to digest it all because <laughs> it was, wow, what a book. <laughs> y- you don't have a hundred <laughs> years. You have thirty minutes, and we're not in solitude. You got me, so we're gonna walk through this thing <laughs> that together. All right. So, actually, you and I have not talked about this book much. So, it'll be interesting to hear what you have to say. We're going into this blind here with limited preparation. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the first books where I, usually when we go through these, I'm done it pretty quickly and I'm waiting for you to catch up and get done. But this one was the opposite where like you were done and I was trying to get through this. So we'll, we'll see. Maybe that it's going to be a totally different episode. <laughs> maybe, maybe. But we will keep the format roughly the same. Luki, take us away. Give us a two minute synopsis of a hundred years <laughs> of solitude. Well, let's start a little bit with the author. So Gabriel Garcia Marquez, uh, so Colombian author, and he basically, well, this is probably his most notable works out of all of the different uh, writings that he's had. Mm. Uh, he's known for kind of magic realism is uh, what I understand. He was like raised by his grandparents and a lot of the stories from his childhood made its way into these books. So there is a part of the book where someone was fascinated by ice and apparently that came from his childhood where his grandfather like uh, showed him ice and he was like uh, it was like the most marvelous thing in the world right so he was Mm -hmm. the kid that kind of wrote and drew comics and stuff of that Um, and yeah he, he was very well known apparently he's the most prominent like Spanish author uh, around and he even facilitated facilitated some negotiations between like the Colombian government and like some guerrilla uh, forces <laughs> um, in order to settle some peace treaties apparently he was friends with Fidel Castro in Cuba and uh, like Bill Clinton says that this book is his favorite novel so that's kind of some of the stuff I gathered around um, but un- unfortunately, he, he did pass away in t- uh, 2014 uh, and left the legacy of these hundred years of solitude. So uh, now about this book, uh, if we were to ask, like, what's in this book, I, I would almost <laughs> turn it on its side and say, what isn't in this book? Because it's, it's got like, <laughs> it's just mind blowing as to how much stuff happened. So it starts in uh, the city of, I, I think it's pronounced Mokando. Um Okay. And 
kind of two two main characters, uh, Jose Arcadio Buendia and then Ursula. I, I actually don't remember her last name. Um, Iguara. Oh, yeah. Yes, we did write that in the show notes. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> initially, it started, well, I had like remin- or, or, uh, memories of Encanto, like the Disney movie, where they kind of go into this area and uh, this village kind of pops up in the middle of nowhere and all the inhabitants are having fun and there's like a little bit of magic happening there's like gypsies that come by and they they go through life and suddenly there's things like civil war and there's lots of like different love stories and there's like incest in there because apparently the two uh, primary characters were like cousins <laughs> or something like that yeah there's lots of like sex like disease insomnia flooding like banana <laughs> factories and like kids with the same name or different names or sort of thing that makes it quite confusing and uh, n- none of that is necessarily in that order. And uh, there's a twist at the end, which I found quite interesting, which is reminiscent of kind of like an M. Night Shyamalan type of thing, obviously not as, as strange. But um, yeah, it had so many different things. It was hard to follow. And the way that the uh, author wrote it, he would write something, then you'd kind of circle back with another character and talk about uh, how from their perspective it happened and then would would go to another arc and then come back and then go around and back and it was just like oh my gosh it keeps on going and going and going and going uh but it was quite interesting just just <laughs> jam-packed with so much stuff it's hard to keep track of it so all right i mean i i commend you for that because <laughs> that is a pretty impressive synopsis of a book that really cannot be synopsized <laughs> i think um, yeah, I feel like you touched on some of the peculiarities of the writing of the novel and the fact that it's a novel that's not really about plot mm-hmm. becomes apparent. It really doesn't seem to matter what the plot is. It almost feels like a book that you could pick up at any page and read a bit and smile, have a chuckle, put it down and then just jump ahead or jump back and read another page. And, and it wouldn't be that different from you reading it beginning to end the way we did, I think. <laughs> Although you'd probably get losses. Who am I talking about? Like, is this the same character or a different character? Which happened to me, <laughs> which happened to me reading it linearly oh, anyway. For sure. Yeah. It, it's, it's <laughs> I guess, supposed to be over 100 years. So they have multiple generations of this family where right. the two, Jose and Ursula, start. And then they have kids. And it talks about them. And then they have kids. And it talks about them. And I think mm-hmm. it does, like three four five generations maybe even six generations depending on how you count them yeah and the whole story is basically the story of this family that's in this village so it's also the story of them settling this village and the village starting off with a period of uh kind of uh, not just prosperity i was going to say but but perfection Mm -hmm. right it's almost like they're living in the garden Mm -hmm. of eden everything's perfect nobody dies ever nobody gets sick and then gradually outside influence start pecking away at the at the at the beauty of the village and all these cracks start to appear and human nature starts to take over and then eventually shows the village going through the good times into the bad times until it disappears forever yeah that was kind of my initial like encanto reference so if for those that are mm. familiar with the Disney movie, maybe if they had an Encanto 2 or 3, <laughs> it would degrade down to the, the other 80 years of <laughs> solitude or, or <laughs> however many years of solitude in there and, and might continue on that. But yeah, I mean, it was quite well, an interesting progression. I would say that all these things that you're 
alluding to to help people understand this book like in canto and 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 uh the other the other, all these things like in canto actually are based on this sure, book probably i yeah. think i think i feel like this book though in, in the history of like modern literature is one of the books that sets the bar for this whole magical realism idea yes. right this idea of sort of a fantasy novel that's set in a world that's a little bit like the real world but there are these fantastical elements that make it a little bit different than the real world like so there's a bit of magic there's this like you know there's this idea of immortality there's this idea of superstitions actually coming true it's it's it is it is an intense bizarre but ultimately crazy cool reading experience mm -hmm. yeah, yeah i kind of as i was reading or halfway through it uh there's w one of the movies i like uh, usual suspects where one of mm. the main characters uh basically tells a recount of like a crime and things like that and he's just mm -hmm. going like almost like i don't want to say like verbal diarrhea <laughs> he just keeps on going right. and links facts to facts and by the way this happened and that happened oh and something like this there happened and this happened and it just keeps on going and going you're like oh my goodness how the heck do you keep all of this straight in your head <laughs> so it's quite amazing how the author was able to to create these story arcs and then come back and then like refill the missing parts of the arc and then go even further and then miss uh, and fill in the, the little crevices of the mm -hmm. other pieces based on these other characters that they, they missed in the the first and second go around so yeah it was quite an intense intense read i would say it seems like a very singular reading experience. I cannot think of any other novel that I've read or even movie that I've seen that is able to pull this off quite this way. Like, I don't think I've ever read a novel where at the end I thought, you know what, the plot is really inconsequential. <laughs> it doesn't matter. And I still enjoyed it, right? And all the things that normally we use to evaluate writing kind of get thrown out the window in this yeah. book in, in many ways. Yeah, I mean, this is one where I, I do believe they do have a movie um, based on this. So I, I would kind of <laughs> debate whether I'd go out of my way to actually watch it to see how they would have managed all these different uh, kind of circuit. I things. couldn't imagine <laughs> how they would put portray some of these things on screen. I can't even imagine the rating such a movie would, <laughs> would get. Yeah, I mean, certain parts of it, they'd probably have to... Uh, unless they want like an NC-17 type of rating. <laughs> they probably have to adjust <laughs> some of the, and skip over a few of the, the, the aspects of it, yes. Because there is quite a All lot right, of so like he... uh, strange and vulgar, now, sexual, graphic, a... violent things there. <laughs> here's a question. The book conveniently, kindly offers us a family tree at the beginning. You know how some novels have like a family tree to help you place the characters? Like, you know you're in for like a doozy of a story. And so at the beginning, I've started, I opened the family tree. I'm like, okay, okay, I'm up here at the top. There's Jose Arcadio Buendia. He's the main guy and then his children. And then in the first line, it talks about the Colonel Orleano being uh, on the day of his assassination. So I was like, okay, I'm following the tree. And then I kept coming back to the tree because <laughs> as the story went on, every character was named Arcadio or Orleano. Right. And after a while, I was like, me flipping back to this tree is silly. I looked at the tree. Everyone's the name same, is the yeah. same, <laughs> right? And and then as it kept doing this, I was like, 
I remember distinctly in writing class and stuff, people saying, don't name your characters the same. It'll <laughs> confuse the audience, right? You need to give everyone a character a specific name. Like I've, I've heard people saying in like uh, discussions that if you have a character named Harvey, Harvey, you can't have another character named Harry because right. that'll throw people yes. off, right? You need to keep it really dumbed down. And this guy just said, screw it. He named everyone the same. There's even on the family tree, there's a branch called the, the 17 Aurelianos, yes. right? There's 17 sons with the same name, yes. right? And these things are kind of funny at the end of the day. Yeah, I think it's the author's attempt to almost throw everything in the kitchen sink. Like whatever you're not supposed to do or supposed to do, let's just put it all in. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Yeah, and it's and it's nuts. And at some point, you want to throw the book in the trash. But at other points, it's like, I suppose at the end, when I finished reading the book, my overall thing was like, wow, that was actually crazy. This guy's a genius. This is actually a complete work of genius. I don't think I fully understand it. I don't think I want to read it again, but maybe I would at some point. Like, it, there's that much stuff in it. And I feel like having seen the end, maybe the beginning will actually make more sense. That was a thought. Like when I was going through, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm only doing this because I have to do it for Dave. <laughs> I'm just going through it. But <laughs> that's the podcast, man. That's the podcast spirit. For sure. But then as you get to the end, it's like, huh, okay, maybe I want to do this again and subject myself to this, this torture and pain yet again. And I do think it might be a little bit more interesting there. Or maybe not. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just uh, uh, wanting, longing for some more suffering or something like that, right? <laughs> but it, it was definitely one where, yeah, it's it's a very unique reading experience. And uh, to mm -hmm. your point about not noticing any others that, that uh, are written in the same way, in the same style and whatever, like it's definitely a standout from all of the other books that we've read, right? Uh, right. So this is one where... I don't, I don't know if I want to call it a page turner, right? Uh, in terms of like following it after, because there's a lot of confusion <laughs> that almost like, mm. I like, do I want to turn the page? I know what happens, but kind of, because it's so interesting, but I don't want to have to figure out and make the connection between how does this make sense with these at things? So, <laughs> at some point I felt like it was impossible to make the connection. Like I felt like he deliberately obfuscated the whole thing right by giving people the same names like you don't know what generation yes. you're in after a while i think the effect of it is that it doesn't matter what generation yeah. you're in that this family everything in it happens in a circular manner anyway and things repeat themselves like there was incest in the previous generation there's incest in this generation it's coming in the next yeah. generation and at some point you know it's something's going to happen but but it doesn't matter the particulars so much it's more just the sweep of history and the sweep of of theme moving through time yeah and it could be a book trying to outline the different elements of like the human condition what folks go through like there's hmm. uh, seasons of prosperity seasons of like disease and suffering and then it comes back and then ebbs and flows ebbs and flows that sort of thing yeah so so maybe mm -hmm. that is uh, part of what the author did on purpose yeah now Let's go through a few things we found interesting about this book. I, we can take turns. Just throw out some things that you like. I'll start us off. I like the idea that, you know how you mentioned in the beginning that, that uh, the people in the village are fascinated by ice, mm -hmm. right? But it's not just ice. Basically, it's like this primitive, you know, by, by our modern standards, backwards kind of people. But they're very happy. They live forever. Mm -hmm. But they don't know anything about things that for us we would take for granted as you know regular everyday yeah. 
modern um, modern advances stuff like that. yeah yeah like like a like a phonograph mm -hmm. right or or a, uh, a magnifying glass i think it was a telescope mm -hmm. right they could see things that were far away up close right they, you could freeze water and turn it into ice these things fascinated them but the fact that everyone in the town is immortal they just kind of take it for granted <laughs> yeah. right i i thought that was like a fascinating little play on on what these like indigenous or or more primitive societies must have felt like when the westerners showed up right when the colonial powers showed up with their modern medicines carrying all these so-called advanced things and meanwhile they were actually happily living in their own you know peaceful worlds and and how shocked they must have been to see these things that we took for granted it's it has this element of looking at the meeting of the worlds in a way that's quite playful and fun yeah and w when you said that it uh, had kind of echoes of walden <laughs> in terms of like you should live <laughs> in a more minimalistic like forget ice and and all these niceties right. let's go back and live off the land and live to 145 right. <laughs> right um putting things like that but but yeah it could be one of those things where hey if if you went back to uh, kind of the the ancestral days maybe we, we would have a simpler but a happier life and we'd be mm -hmm. much better off without all these technological advancements and things like that so maybe it's a little bit of an it, homage well, to that it's especially if you go further into the book because this stuff happens right at the beginning yeah. right the gypsies come to the vi village and start bringing these outside influences in and these outside influences gradually are the village's undoing in some mm -hmm. ways right um i found that to be pretty interesting because it's this idea that you know it, it is the outside world that came and showed up in colombia it showed up in central america right it it even it's still showing up now right and we're westernizing the whole world and it's about that that interaction between the old world and the new world from this vantage point. I thought that was pretty well done. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely one of those commentaries. Uh, and, and then we get into the, I don't know if it's the next part of the book, where they get into, like, the rebellion, like the liberals and the conservatives and all of that. So there's, mm -hmm. I guess, his more political stance against uh, that part of the world. So there's more of the kind of modern versus uh more traditional stuff and then kind of like left versus right <laughs> type of thing. So it's, right. it's a commentary on a lot of different facets of, of the, the human condition. Mm -hmm. And then, and then eventually there's a part where I think it's a, a British guy shows up, discovers that the town has amazing bananas, <laughs> right? And suddenly they become an exporter of bananas and they're all rolling in it. There are, there are people from foreign countries or are these, these colonials people are showing up and living in the village and the village is profiting greatly off this temporarily. Um, so I was like, Whoa, we're, we're, we're talking about the, we're talking about the entire history of Central America <laughs> in one swoop, right? we we talked about the birth of these villages. Now we're talking about the arrival of foreigners. Now we're talking about colonialism. There's a revolution in the middle yep. of it. It has the entire arc of the history of these countries packed into it. It it is the reason why I think a lot of people think of this as the defining piece of literature of Spa of the Spanish speaking world. Yeah, and and me not necessarily having that background in kind me of me neither. <laughs> I know nothing about this part of the world. But but I assume to that effect where it was adding some commentary in terms of okay these things probably happened. It was probably a, a cadence or some sort of event that happened because where you mentioned that uh banana farm then like 
all of mm-hmm. the workers even at some point got slaughtered and then it was uh conveniently hidden and nobody knows of what truly happened so uh i believe that that was something that happened in in, in a country somewhere um so so it's probably his his commentary on on that what did you like give me something you liked about this book what else am i like oh there's so many things to to think about (laughs) and part of it is remembering and detangling a lot of it so uh, again the start of it was interesting where like uh, the interest in uh, the gypsies where the main character would go off and he I don't know would have his hand in like alchemy and and try to figure out stuff so he locked himself and, and had this other thing oh and then he tried this other thing and the other thing so I almost thought of it as almost like a, a rags to riches thing where he tries mm. uh, through sheer will of effort to uh, <laughs> kind of create, I don't know, something that's meaningful to human society. That doesn't right. quite happen. <laughs> but That was where I initially thought. So I thought that was interesting. And then as they started throwing things like, I think they mentioned like flying carpets, but I'm not sure. Are, yes. are those really flying carpets? Like, is this part well, of the was, magic yeah, in yeah, there? I think, right, so. I think that was part of the okay. magic that, that they lived in a magical village and the things that, that were to them mundane and everyday, like the ability to fly around on a carpet, sure. right? They didn't, they didn't. It, there was no sense of awe. But when they saw something to us that was that like refrigeration, they would be like bowing down to the heavens because <laughs> this stuff wouldn't make sense to them. Yeah, I I feel like as crazy as that concept sounds when we describe it in the form of a magic carpet. If you think back, like my mom was always telling me these old Chinese tales about like. You know, you don't want to eat this because it's going to make this happen yes, to you, yes, right? Yes. Because because that's the superstition that they grew up in. And I thought about it more. I'm like, it really is. They're like people from this older generation. Like I think you and I, you know, growing up here, we've gone to university and, you know, we, we believe a lot in science, probably more than we should. Mm-hmm. We've lost the ability to appreciate the fantastical. But I think the older generation, if you go back to our parents and our grandparents and their parents, I think they actually believe in a lot of these things. And now when we read this, we find it kind of funny and very odd. But I imagine that if a person from like four generations ago read it, it might not seem so odd to them. Yeah, I mean, I, I would agree where maybe we've lost our sense of, of call it magic and wonder <laughs> because we yeah. want everything to be factual and why did it happen and what's causing this right. like the uh dif- different laws and causation and things like that where right. maybe it's it's nice to not know <laughs> how things ha- happen or, or, or why mm-hmm. they exist or uh, all that stuff or just to imagine it right yeah. to to sit on the patio with your grandpa and have him tell you some stories i I read somewhere that a lot of the stuff that happens is things he remembered his grandparents telling to mm. him because they just love to sit on the porch and hear the grandparents spin these yarns, right? Mm. And I, I could see that in in the writing of this book. Yeah. Yeah, some of the other things that I found, well, less than interesting. I mean, there was a lot of the <laughs> interrelationships between everybody again very confusing who liked whom and who is trying to woo this person and that person and then uh i think i took pity on what was his name like the pietro crespi uh he had an affinity for one person who like totally like dumped him and then he was interested in another one and then something happened and then i don't know eventually what happened to him really <laughs> he like kind of uh yeah disintegrated or, or something like that but some of the the the, the characters and their development is, is was so like wow <laughs> yeah some of the things that happen to them you just can't i it 
can't imagine them putting on the screen like really (laughs) (coughs) one thing one thing i will say because i guess when we could talk about the spillage of all these characters Mm. in the book one thing i thought that was interesting is that the book is not about one single character right usually you read a novel and there's like a main character or two or three in this book because we span six generations most of the characters they live for a bit and then they die like like at the beginning you're like oh okay this is the story about jose arcadio buendia after a while he ends up declared insane and tied to a tree and he really has no (laughs) other role for a long parts of the book right and then you think okay maybe his son is the main character but then but then he his story pretty much wraps up pretty quickly and then he he's he's assassinated and then you're like okay so then then it goes into the next generation and you really start to realize that this isn't a book about a specific person it's a book about the entire arc of a family from from one generation to the sixth generation and it's interesting to think of life like that right because although you and i you know, today we, we feel like we're part of a family. Usually when we say the t- word family, we just mean our parents and maybe our grandparents. Mm-hmm. N- almost none of us knows our great grandparents much. Right. And beyond that, it's a b- complete black box. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've, you know, our families all go back thousands and thousands of years, but none of us knows anything about it. And I'm sure thousand years down the road going the other way, no one's going to know us. Yeah. Right. Except that there's this podcast that they can listen to, but it's like, like, normally when we talk about narratives we talk about it within the context of a person right maybe we talk about in the context of a father and son now we're talking about grandparent great-grandparent great-grandson like this is and it's and it's the arc of a whole family's journey through time i thought that was pretty neat yeah i don't haven't read too many books that do that yeah and i think this is an interesting time where more of that could happen because they have what, the website like ancestry.com or something that you can like trace your family lineage and and, and mm-hmm. uh, fr- from how but many... even if you but even if you traced it what are you going to find out about them well, right maybe just a name yeah right yeah. but here we actually find out you know the details of each person's life who they loved who they didn't right. love why did they break up and all those gory things i'm sure years from now no one's going to know those details about us well but this is the the thing now with things like social media you could probably scour your your like five generations from now, your great great grandparents like Instagram account or <laughs> like Facebook and, and I, look I at can't their, even... their pictures and say, Oh, grandma great 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 grand grandpappy did this <laughs> I honestly I can't even figure out what's happening in real people's lives today because <laughs> their social media accounts are all curated. Sure. Right. <laughs> They're not real. They're as fictional as this. But but maybe that's the thing where you'll think that your ancestors, oh, my gosh, they, they had an amazing life. Right. They, they went on <laughs> vacations all the time. They had all these things, all these amazing milestones and stuff of like that. And no wonder, mm. like, I wonder what went wrong and why we're in this situation. But meanwhile, there's all the stuff that you, you don't see. But, yeah, I, I do find it interesting how you're able to kind of go through the, the journey, all the intricacies of of uh, like family arcs and things like that um over the course of the whatever five six generations in there it is an interesting uh setup for for, for the story what? okay you talked a little bit about stuff that you we were less than impressed with <laughs> i have i have something that has been making me think a little bit okay. i'll try to explain it to you i want you to give me your five cents on it I'm a little bit frustrated by this book, and I don't know if it's th- it's because this book is the book that's the defining, you know, Latin American novel, right? Or if it's because it's the first Latin American novel that really makes it big. But it does feel to me that this book plays up certain stereotypes hmm. about Latin America, 
which may not be super beneficial, right? It plays up the stereotype of, of Latin America, like, like this idea of it being this magical, beautiful place and the people there are all passionate, uh -huh. you know, super emotional lovers to the point of, you know, hypersexualized. This kind of plays into this stereotype that we have of Latin America now, I think, right? Okay. And I, that's the part that I'm like, it's a little bit too on the nose, but it is the defining book about this group, but I don't know. That that was my frustration with it a little bit. It seemed to play into all the you know how you know how what happened when the colonial people from like England came to these countries? Mm -hmm. They looked at the they looked at the natives in all these places and said, Oh, they're savages, right. right? They believe in these fantastical things. They're always having you know, they have multiple wives, they're really uncivilized. And this book is kind of a defense and an argument of who these people really were and it is what the british people thought of them really and i don't know if that is exactly what we're going for in this in, in this day and age where we're trying to really understand the deeper understanding of people groups like our, like this this was the thing that bothered me a little bit yeah i mean i don't know too much about the or enough about the latin american culture and history to be able to make too much commentary but i mean stereotypes tend to exist for a reason right uh, that's usually propagated and sometimes uh, a, a culture will probably propagate their own stereotypes right like what's the stereotype of like an east asian <laughs> right the 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 quiet hard hardworking, and all that sort of stuff yeah. so when you grow up what will you likely be if you are an east asian you're going to be hardworking and do that because that's who you're supposed to be right um like the whatever the americans or like the the innovative like pioneers are going out west mm. finding new territory and stuff of like that and, and conquering and whatever right so i i think that some of these it might be like a human condition thing so if this is how they saw themselves this is how the next generation and the next generation and the next generation will continue now there's going to be s some event that might change it but uh over the course of the whatever five generations there wasn't so I don't know. I mean, I I never really thought too much <laughs> in, into that uh, mm. while reading the book. But I would imagine that, yeah, it, it, it kind of plays into the stereotypes, uh, warranted or not. I'm not sure. Um, but it it's, makes for an interesting story <laughs> or, or, or whatever <laughs> what, whatever's worth. For sure. For sure. Um I don't know. Is, so when you say that, is is this like how much does it bother you? Like, is it one where like like this it throws you off and and turns you off from the book, or is it just more like, huh? It's a curiosity. It's it's a curiosity. I mean, overall, I really enjoyed reading the book, but I just wonder if it if it if it adds to the stereotype a little bit too much, right? Like maybe there could be a couple of characters that really don't fit the bill mm. and that would round it out a little bit better. But that's me looking at it with this modern sensibility that, that, you know, we want to get at the heart of it. And I, I think it has to do with the book's reputation, right? Cause now this book is, this book represents Latin America, mm. right? If it's going to represent Latin America, it needs to represent all of Latin America, mm -hmm. not just the stereotype part. And maybe there could be a couple characters in there that, 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 are a little bit different. Yeah, well, it could be. I mean, we'd probably have to go through them all one by one, and <laughs> I don't know if we even could. <laughs> well, like if we put it, if we made a comparison to like E.M. Forster's *Passage to India*, I felt like the narrator in that book really went against the typical stereotypical British character. Okay. Right? Yeah, fair enough. Like the, the like the stereotypical British character is like a stodgy 
dude looks down on the natives and and for whatever reason em forster created a character who actually really saw things in a different way right and and so that that's just one example yeah and i guess there wasn't anybody uh i guess outside the well, I don't. I was going to say the Mokando family, but that's that's not their their name. <laughs> but the the family in the Mo- the village of Mokando outside the village, yeah, yeah. Uh, that was there. I, I don't know. Maybe th- there were representatives like the who is it? Um, not not the governor, but like the, the representative from from the, the 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 state, that sort of thing. He was a different mm-hmm. character, but he was on the outs- outside of it. So maybe they tried to introduce him, but. He, they were ostracized or, or outed. Right, they weren't that important. Yeah. They, in the in this family, the characters had certain bloodline and certain personality. Yeah. So, anyways, that's just my that's just my two cents. Yeah. Now we've talked a lot about reading books and reading them as educational experiences. What we learn from it. What did you think you got out of reading this book? Oh what did I get out of this book? Um, I, I, I don't know. Maybe nothing. <laughs> I, I think, again, it's just a, a, a fun story to, to get into because, again, it had so much of, of everything in it. And mm. as I think you mentioned at the beginning, this is probably the foundation of so many different books. So, like, the first parts uh, in Canto, like, the parts of it are, like, the usual specs. The next part is, like, this and that. I'm sure you could peel off so many different yeah. uh, stories that this would have inspired uh, as, as part of it, it, its story. And yeah, being the defining kind of Spanish-speaking Latin American type type uh, novel, uh, I think it still has impact on, on others. Like the intro I mentioned, how it was like Bill Clinton's like favorite book uh, as well. <laughs> I mean, there's probably a whole bunch of other folks that took it and, and got inspiration uh, from it. So... <laughs> what I would have learned from it. Yeah, I guess just different aspects, putting together all the different elements of the human condition, right? So there is like, yeah, the, the rebellion part of it. There's the the sex, the violence, the the pros- wanting for prosperity and, and uh, even like the disease. And uh, I, I didn't quite understand the whole like uh, in- insomnia epidemic <laughs> and stuff like that, right? <laughs> there's a whole bunch of interesting things there, but... Um, yeah, I think there's there's so many aspects and facets of the human condition that n- didn't really go deep dive into all, but but maybe reflected a bit. So maybe that's it, where they try to talk about uh, the entire arc of humanity in a in a hundred years. <laughs> right? mm-hmm. um, that might be it to say like, well, anything that any human has ever uh, experienced, it's it's there's a, it's a page there a page in this book somewhere. Yeah. I, I liked how, I, I think we talked about this earlier, I, I really liked how it puts us in the minds of these primit- relatively primitive villagers mm. who are watching the advance of Western civilization, right? And I find that's an interesting viewpoint for us to have because we're clearly now in 2023, we are marching forward in Western civilization, marching forward as Western civilization. And we kind of assume that this is the way it, is this is the way it's supposed to be you know we believe in science we believe in rigorous you know rational logical thinking and these things and and that a long time ago people didn't think this way they lived fundamentally differently and i liked how the book kind of 
forced us to think about characters that lived in that world and was it really better or worse than the world we live in now yeah i mean that's uh definitely a different way to do it and i guess that's what most authors try to do put yourself in the, the character and this particular character i think maybe mm-hmm. yeah in, in homage to some of the other books that we've read whether it be uh like like walden or even from the last season like the uh educated it's more mm-hmm. like live off the land simpler times like like don't rely on technology and all these things and uh yeah, maybe we have to go back to our roots some of these days now one thing i liked about the reading experience was that i felt like it really shows you how you can break all the rules like we mm-hmm. talked about some of those rules earlier but but i felt like he really did break the rules and it really makes you think about the book as an artistic endeavor mm-hmm. like how difficult it must have been to write and how could he I, I don't think he could have possibly known as he was writing it that it would have this effect that people would be reading it 50 years later and 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 that you and I would be talking about or that anybody would be talking about it like he took so many risks in the construction of this novel I feel and most of them work probably m- almost all of them work yeah. right and and it is pretty fantastic as a reading experience from that standpoint because I, I feel like sometimes when we read novels now they're so what's the word they're so regimented mm-hmm. right like you you write it you, you write a story you can kind of tell like this person's gone to three different editors yeah. it's polished the characters all have their own names you don't mix anybody up it moves in a very distinct pattern yeah. there's action hero's journey type of thing everybody follows yeah. that arc yeah yeah right and it's like this guy was just like screw that you know when you read this book it's going to be feel like you're on an acid trip like everything's going to be happening all at once you're not going to know who's who it's not going to matter <laughs> and at the end you're going to love the reading experience and i don't know how he figured that out and i don't know if he was able to recapture that in his later books yeah but this was pretty awesome yeah yeah and i'm wondering why nobody else kind of took the inspiration and created their own version of it and, and I'm, i feel like some people tried i right. i, I Magical realism became a thing that was kind of big, I feel like. Mm. But this is not an easy thing to write like. Sure. Yeah. There is one book that I would say that if you really love this reading experience, try reading Midnight's Children by Salman Rushdie. That's the one that I had read. That was the first magic realism book I ever read. Okay. And it was I was it was awesome. But it is more linear and easier to follow <laughs> than this one. <laughs> yeah. I think because this one took like multiple I don't know literary devices and kind of weave them together uh like yeah. the the um magical realism and then these kind of circular stories then that mm-hmm. that kind of made it quite unique so I, I'm wondering if someone will take like a hodgepodge of everything <laughs> with and then <laughs> the next one will incorporate the hero's journey and then the whatever next, uh, I don't even know how many different types there are uh, to be the, 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 the penultimate <laughs> literary work. Right. <laughs> I don't know. But anyways, would you, would you recommend this book to other people? And if so, who would you be recommending it to? Wow. So, so cause given our quest to find like the great books of all time. Right. So this is yeah. one where, if I were to put it amongst all the other ones that, that we've had so far, I, I'm, I'm going to put it actually close to the top, right? Um, <laughs> I'd have to I sense go. a little hesitation in your voice as you said this. Well, because part of it is I, I struggled with it 
and I That's was confused, easy. right? So I don't necessarily want to recommend it to, for folks to, for them to be confused, <laughs> right? <laughs> but with that in mind, if someone told me is like, okay, just read it and kind of enjoy it. You don't really have to follow, and it doesn't really have to make sense. There's no real plot and stuff of like that. But yeah, it makes no sense. How, yeah. Like, when else have you ever recommended a book like that? Yeah, <laughs> like said that to a person. Don't follow it. <laughs> don't worry about it if yeah. you're stressed by it. Yeah, but I think it's true. It it, it sounds almost like like a strange popcorn flick just put put it on go through it and like don't even bother connecting the dots because there's no real dots to connect and and uh, yeah, yeah you, you'll just i don't know maybe be better off where, where i or having gone through it i don't know if they'll be better off <laughs> for having gone through it but it would be <laughs> an experience so yeah I, I i probably would recommend it um like how would i recommend it i'm, I'm not sure like or who would i recommend it to It'd be more for folks that are just interested in oddities of literature. <laughs> right? um, that I, I, I'll that. answer this so, question. Yeah. I, I know the answer. Okay. You cannot recommend this book to people who don't read much. So if you're okay. not an avid novel reader or sure. you never read books, this is not going to be the first book you're going to read because I'm right. telling you, you're going to go back to Netflix. <laughs> but, if, but if you encounter a person who's read a lot of books, yeah. but they've never read this one, I think they should try this because it will be so different from everything else they've read. They might hate it. Yeah. It's fine. But at least they say they've tried to read this because this is a fundamentally different reading experience than anything I've ever read before, which is really saying something because I've been reading books for like, you know, three or four decades now. That's fair. I think that's a good synopsis or summary of, of it because, yeah, if someone reads like uh, a book a year, they'd probably like, what, what did you make me read? Versus someone who reads like a, a book a month, like uh, a book a week, definitely uh, those types of folks would probably appreciate this. Again, to your point, they might hate it, they might love it, who knows, but at least it'll be like, ah, at least I gave it a shot. <laughs> when they brought to the table the tiger-striped bunch of bananas that they were accustomed to hang in the dining room during lunch, he picked the first piece of fruit without great enthusiasm. But he kept on eating as he spoke, tasting, chewing, more with the distraction of a wise man than with the delight of a good eater. And, he, when he, and when he finished the first bunch, he asked him to bring him another. Then he took a small case with optical instruments out of the toolbox that he always carried with him. With the suspicious attention of a diamond merchant, he examined the banana meticulously, dissecting it with a special scalpel, weighing the pieces on a pharmacist's scale, and calculated its breadth with a gunsmith's calipers. Then he took a series of instruments out of the chest with which he measured the temperature, the level of humidity in the atmosphere, and the intensity of the light. It was such an intriguing ceremony that no one could eat in peace as everybody waited for Mr. Herbert to pass a final and revealing judgment. But he did not say anything that allowed anyone to guess his intentions. <laughs> <laughs>